Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are Amen. Let's get into the word. We're going we're gonna to continue with our series. And last week, um, as we opened up Win the World Within, we started with a very, um, with a matter that has grown dear to our hearts, a matter in which is in the heart of God. And we talked about love life and we spoke about this introduction into um, what we were going to do with our walk this last Saturday. And it, we had an amazing uh, Sunday last Sunday. Amen? And today, we're going to continue with our second uh, message in this series. And if you're taking notes, go ahead and open up your Bibles to James 4. And with your notepad or on your smart device, go ahead and write this down. Win within. Look at the person next to you and say, win. Win within. Win within. All right? How many of you like to win? I like to win. I uh, when we play a game, we don't want to lose. My son is learning um, that as well. It's just in, it's in our nature, you know. We're, we're just, we just want to win, and, and, and he doesn't like to lose. Sometimes we go and do whatever we can not to lose. And I'm not saying that that's okay either because, you know, some of you are cheaters. <laughs> but, um, but win the world within. Win the world within. Go ahead and write that down. And today's message is titled, Win Within. And we're going to be looking at James 4. We're going to look at some scriptures throughout this text in James chapter 4. And you've heard me say this, and you're going to continue to hear me say this in the weeks to come, so don't get tired of it. But I like to repeat this. It impacted me years ago, and it's pretty much a foundational statement for this month and for this series. And it's this, that you'll never start winning in the world around you. If you're losing in the world within you, you'll never start winning in the world around you if you're losing in the world within you. And you might hear that and you say, well, what in the world is he talking about? It's talking about looking internally and recognizing whether the external issues and the external, the world around you. If you remember last week, I believe I said something like this. Is the external world around you affected because the internal world, that within you, is infected? And I want you to take an evaluation. I want you to really look within and see where you're at and see what that means to you. Because this is what we're going to be talking about and giving some examples in the weeks to come. We're going to be looking at scripture and at people in scripture as well that are going to really highlight some very important things. And if you read the book of James, I know we're not reading through the book of James today. I know we're not going through all the chapters. Today we're just going to look at chapter 4. But if you have a time, to, and if you've ever done it, and you've read through the book of James, you'll see the importance of this letter. It's a very important book in the Bible or letter in the Bible. The book of James is very crucial. I like to look at the book of James like a, a surgical book. It truly is that. It's, it's cutting and it's piercing, and it does a work, and it causes the listener, as we read through this text, to take inventory on the condition of their heart. Whenever I read through the book of James, it really cuts me to the heart, and it causes me to, to look within my heart and my attitudes and what's really going on there. 
And, and I pray that you could do that, that you could study the book of James if you've never have. Hopefully that today's message would cause you to go deeper even into the book of James. But that's what that is. It's, it's, it, when you start to read it, you'll see that it, it begins to draw you and, 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 and to draw you to really look at yourself as the scripture calls it, a mirror to, to recognize the condition of your heart, whether it's healthy or whether it's not, determining whether your interior world is at a healthy place. You guys know exactly what I'm talking about. If we could just be straight up here and not just beat around the bush here and just make you feel comfortable. But if you've ever been at this place where you've recognized like, man, you know what? Things are going on and all that, but inside I just feel like there's darkness or I feel like inside I'm just weighed down or I feel like inside I'm bitter. I feel like inside I'm lost. I'm, I feel like inside, I mean, the only, there's only, only the way that you could explain it. I can't explain what you feel. But that inside... You know that, man, there's things in me, in my heart, in my way I'm thinking that's not healthy. It's not right. I know this is not what God wants from me. I need my, my world within me, the life within me. I, I, I need to really focus on myself and get healthy so that the exterior world can come in alignment with that which is happening in my interior world. You can't live in two different worlds like that. You can't pretend to be someone exterior in, an exterior, in the exterior, and then internally you're someone totally different. You know what's going to happen to you? You're going to burn yourself out. You're going to overwhelm yourself. You're going to go into depression. You're going to be struggling with anxiety. You really need to figure out like, hey, I need to pause with all these external things and really focus with what's happening inside of me. And maybe the answer to all the depressions and the answer to all the anxieties and the answer to all these external problems, maybe they'll get answered when we stop and we start to look at, wait, what's really going on inside of my heart? The cardia, the central inner part of man, not the organ that pumps blood, but the core of man that tells you who you really are. How is it? What's, what's, what's it look like? What's it saying to you? Right now, as I'm speaking, what does it say to you? As you drove here, what is it saying to you? Come on. That your physical man and your spiritual man will not walk opposite of each other. But that your physical man and that your spiritual man, that they will be aligned one and the same. One in the same, in which my physical man lives in wisdom, health, maturity, because it's being directed by the spiritual man. So my physical man is healthy because my spiritual man is healthy. Do not raise your hand, rhetorical question. I don't want to put anyone out there or anything like that, but be honest with yourself. If I were to ask you to raise your hand, if I were to ask you to come up here and share, can you be honest with yourself today and say, how is your internal health? Like seriously, how is your internal health? When was the last time you spoke to someone? When was the last time you opened up? What do you need? What, what, what's really going on there? I, I want to get into this and, and get into the scripture. And let's see what James says as he, as he writes here. And we're going to go ahead and let's read verses 1, uh, 2, and 3 here together. I'm going to read from the New Living but James chapter 4, this is what it says. He says, what are the quarrels and the fights among you? 
Don't they come from the evil desires at war? But look what he says. Within you? Among you? What's happening among you? Is it because what's happening within you? He's drawing close. Amen. That's what we're preaching. You're in unity. You're in unison. But, but look, look what James, look, look what it's saying right here. There, there's, there's things going on among us. And in this text right here, he's addressing quarrels and fights among the brethren. But it's coming from a place of evil desires at war within these individuals. So they're displaying externally something that they're struggling with internally. You guys all see that in verse 1? No? Okay, I'll say it again. All right. Holman says it this way. Holman Christian says, From the cravings that are war within you. What's going on among you? From the cravings. What, what, an, what an interesting word. From the cravings that are at war within you. Meaning that you have a war within you. And, and, and you've been there, right? Where, where you know that you shouldn't be doing. You know that that shouldn't be happening. But there's a craving that sometimes you give into it and it, and it. and it conquers what the spiritual man is telling you not to do. What, why? Because there's an evil craving inside of you. Ever been there? Will we be honest with ourselves? The new King James says, what is, what's going on among you? And he says, because of the pleasures that war in your members. You could see how each one describes it differently. Verse 2. He says, you want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and you wage war or you take away from them, yet... You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. I, I, I'm telling you, it's a surgical letter. It's a powerful scripture. It really will cause you to be honest with yourself and look deep within. And what is James saying in the midst of everything else that we're talking about here, he's like, man, you, you don't have because you don't ask. You don't have because you don't ask. And, and, and I started thinking about this, and, and you look at this scripture, and you say, man, the reason, the reason destructive desires exist among so many is because they're not seeking God for their needs. He says, you don't ask. So there's destructive desires that begin to, are burst and they begin to take over and they exist in our lives because we're not seeking God for our true needs. We're not asking, we're not seeking. Or, or when we do ask, maybe what's happening is we ask, but we ask God purely out of, out of selfish, uh, uh, selfish motivation. Well, what can I get? And we ask what one translation says, we ask amiss. How does this work for me? There's selfishness in our, a in our asking and not true honesty. We, we look at all these verses and what do we see immediately? We, we, we see that he's addressing a big problem here. And in verse 1, what does James call it? Here's the issue in the church. Here's the issue amongst the brotherhood. Here's the issue amongst the family, amongst, amongst the gathering. And James says there's fights. There's wars, there's quarrels among you or within you. 
How many of you have been in fights and wars and quarrels? Huh? You start to look at these verses and, 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 and here is a letter written to the believers. Believers who are doing life together, walking this life of faith together. But yet there's strife, as James calls it. And as we've seen so often among Christians, we see that battles arise and severe ones and bitter ones that end up in the wrong place and, and sever relationships. You're like, why did it have to get that way? It has nothing to do with the church. It has nothing to do with God. It has everything to do with what's wrong with me. Why did I allow that to happen? And being honest with myself. Saving relationships because at the end, we're going to reign. I'm going to reign. We will reign in eternity together with him. And, and James is really laying this down because what's he laying down to the church? Hey, you guys have some issues. And they're like, I know, tell us about it. But then he's like, I'm not going to sugarcoat this and I'm not going to address your issues. He's basically telling the church, I'm going to address you. And I'm going to start with you looking within. It's got to begin there. And I love that James does a good job leading the congregation. James does such a good job not beating around the bush. James does such a good job in the sense of making sure that every single person that's going to read this letter would take time and consider, am I at wrong here? Is there things in my life that I really need to fix? What's going on? And we may ask, well, what causes some of these things, this, these bitterness and why, what causes these things amongst each other? Why has this happened? And why does it continue to occur? I believe James is taking us there. And he's telling us, well, it's the root of sin. It's carnality. He says it's the lust of the flesh he's talking about. And this is what I believe for real. It's our egos. It's our pride. Why does this stuff happen amongst my brothers? Why does this stuff happen even in the church? I mean, I was having a conversation about this yesterday. Why are there quarrels and bitterness in fights? I'll tell you why. Because we are carnal and there is sin and there is the lust of the flesh. And I'm going to tell you right now, there is ego and there is pride that it gets in the way. It all comes down to the internal world within all of us. How many of you can say amen? Amen. Sorry about that. I have ADD. <laughs> Amen. So, so when we talk about these things, so, so many individuals, and I, and I pray that if it's anyone here, so many are losing, are losing the battles that are formed around them. Because they're losing the battles within, the internal, spiritual, inward fight that we have to face each day. Let's pause for a moment. I want you to close your eyes for a second. I want you to just look within. I want you to really reflect with inside of your heart. I want you to reflect deep in your mind. 
you know, it's funny. No one knows this. I haven't told my wife. I haven't told my friends. I haven't. It's just me and God. But even this morning, I did something yesterday. I don't know if anyone caught, but I caught it. And I just started repenting for it today. And I said, Lord, I should have never done that. I don't know why I did that. I don't know why I said that. Lord, forgive me, Lord. I'm so immature. Lord, I spoke that because what came out of me was really because of something that was going on inside of me. And that was foolish for me to say what was really going on inside of me. And I, and I started asking for forgiveness today. I don't know if anyone caught it when I said it, but I know I caught it. And I know the Holy Spirit caught it because he hasn't stopped convicting me since yesterday. So I want you, as you just take inventory of your life, as you have your eyes closed and you're looking deep within, what's going on around you? The battles that have formed around you. Are you losing those things and those battles around you? Are you reacting and are you living out? Are you making wrong decisions, bad judgment? Because in reality, come on, as you are examining your heart, because in reality, you're losing the battles within your heart. Before I ask you to open your eyes is this. I'm talking about the internal, spiritual, inward fight that you have to face each day. How is that going? How are you doing? How is your health? Could you be struggling because that right there needs help. Come on, I'm going to ask you to open your eyes and, and really be honest with yourself today. It begins with being honest with ourselves. How many of you can say amen? It's the circumstances around me due to the condition within me. Write that down. It's the circumstances around me due to the condition within me. It's this world that we currently live in, I want everyone to write in your notes in bold, block, highlight, I don't know, however you do to make a point, but write this down. We can do this. We can create in the spaces that we occupy a more positive experience, a more positive environment. We could offer mercy and grace. We could offer greater love. We could offer patience, compassion, kindness. Come on, how many of you believe that you could do that? We could offer mercy, grace, greater love, patience, compassion, kindness. Not conflict, bitterness, strife, division. That's not what we're called to be as a church, as Christians. In a world where there are differences and division, discord and distrust. Did you just hear what I said? In a world that there are differences, division, discord and distrust. We can change the script through the power of the Holy Spirit working through us and we can offer hope, light, goodness, salvation and healing. And that's where we're at. But these external victories that we speak of will only be accessible when we live a genuine life enjoying the internal victories of private battles that we fight each day. I think about David and Goliath. We talk about him so much. The, the the giant, his outward world looks like it's a mess. Oh my goodness, this man is defiling the armies of Israel. There is no chance for Israel. The scripture is so clear that it says that they were shaken. The Israelites were shaken. The Israelites were scared. The Israelites were, were, wanted to run away from the Philistines and from Goliath. When David saw him, immediately David said, let me have him. 
And you could say, what causes such a young man who's never fought in a battlefield in his life to have such boldness and courage to fight a warrior champion by the name of Goliath? Come on, what's the answer to that? The answer is because he has a testimony of internal victories that him and God know about. And that was going to what? Give him victory in the public realm. Saul, your garments might not fit me. Israelites, I might not be as seasoned as you are. But I will say I've walked with God and I fought lions and bears with my own hands when no eyes have seen it but God. And I know that this Philistine giant is no match for me and the one that lives within me. This external world will be conquered because of the internal victory that I have with my God. So he walks into it with boldness and with courage. And I say, I want to be like David, at least that part of David's life. I'll skip the Bathsheba thing. Just that part of David's life. I want to be like that. It's on us. Everyone say, it's on me. It's on me. It's on you. It's on us to decide. Please listen to this. To decide how will you fight? How will I fight? What decisions will I make? What path will you take? Huh? We're reminded of Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. And in Proverbs 4, 23, it says this. It tells us to guard our hearts for it determines the course of your life. I love how the message Eugene Peterson puts it. Eugene Peterson uh, writes Proverbs 4.23 and the context around it this way. He says, keep vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life starts. Don't talk out both sides of your mouth. At least he said that. Both sides of your mouth. Avoid careless banter, white lies, and gossip. Keep your eyes straight ahead. Ignore all sideshow distractions. Watch your step. And the road will stretch out smooth before you. Look neither to the right, neither the left. Leave evil in the dust. How many of you can say amen? amen? Come on. It starts within. And that begins as we read Proverbs 4.23. It begins to pave the way. It begins to pave the road in which I travel on. Come on, let's be very honest. If I am angry inside and I live with anger, guess what's the road that I'm going to travel on? The road that I travel on is going to be constant anger and fights. I'm going to be fighting with you. Think about that. If there's jealousy inside and I'm filled with jealousy, guess what the road that I'm, I'm, I'm building and I'm, I'm traveling on is going to be? I'm always going to be measuring myself with you. I'm always going to be looking at you and seeing what you have. I'm not going to live in, in gratitude with what I have because I'm jealous over you. And that's the road that I'm deciding to walk on. All because it's the internal decisions that I'm making for myself. Some of you are walking down a road, not just because it was slapped there. It all is because you've made those decisions internally. It's no one else's fault. You started to make those decisions for yourself. Some of it is a product from your childhood. Some of it is from generations of stuff. But I'm here to tell you that in Christ, with the knowledge of it, the Bible says that people perish because they lack knowledge the knowledge, the knowledge of his word. But if you begin to grow in the knowledge of the word and start to get delivered and free in that, you're beginning to establish truth in your heart, which then paves the road in which you walk on. And guess what? It doesn't matter what your grandmother did or what they did to your grandmother, which she did to your mother and your mother did to you. But now you set a different path because now you have victory inside because God's word has set you free. 
You start to win within. You start to win within. I will not be what my dad's 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 dad was. I will be what my father has said and declared over me. And how do I get that answer? You better be in the word of God. Because if not, you get tossed by every wind of doctrine. Every little thing is of God. And, every little, and you don't even know when God is really speaking to those deep places of your heart. It starts winning within. How many of you can say amen? amen. Winning within. It begins to pave the road that you travel on. And we know this in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. We know that the mouth speaks whatever the heart is full of. In Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, we know that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You've read those scriptures before? And you keep reading through this chapter of James, chapter 4, and you see the persistence in James' writing. You see what he's going through as he's writing these letters on this page. And in verses 4 and in verses 5 and in verses 6, as you read these things, I mean, he even calls the church, you adulterers. Can you imagine? Hey, listen, this church isn't that bad. I haven't stood up here and said, you, you are a bunch of adulterers. I haven't done that to you. James did it. <laughs> James wrote a letter to the church and screamed at everyone, all of you, you're all adulterers. And, and they're like, but we've never, I've been faithful to my spouse. And he's like, this has nothing to do with your marriage. This has everything to do with your relationship with God. <laughs> I mean, James did that. Not me. James did that. I mean, if I have to do it, let me know. I'll scream it too. You adulterers. But this is the word of God. You can't beat around the bush with this stuff. Like James was confronting stuff. That, that's, how, that's how he started verse 4. By calling those that he was writing this letter to, you're all committed adultery. And it's not necessarily anything else. But your relationship and how you've treated the things of God. And he's reminding believers in verses 4, 5, and 6. The believers in his day. And yet here we are. Today. And he's still reminding us through this letter. God is still reminding us through this letter. Just as the apostles John and Paul even wrote. As James wrote this. And Jesus has even told us throughout the gospel. Number one. That we're not to love this world. No? No? Number two, that we are to set our minds on the things that are above and not on the things that are on this earth. And number three, that our citizenship is in heaven. When you start to see that this life is not to build treasures here on this earth, you'll probably live much more freer. Because you'll recognize, wait a minute, I don't live for this earth. I'm supposed to build treasures in heaven, not on earth. And James says in verse four, he says that friendship with the world, look what he says makes you an enemy of God. And I say it again. Verse, I'm not saying it again. James says, I'll say it again. He says, if you want to be a friend of the world, look what he tells them. You make yourself an enemy of God. If you want to flow the way the world flows, speak the way the world speaks, act the way the world acts, do as the world does, I am telling you, James says, then you make yourself an enemy of God. That's all you're doing. You're not separating yourself. You're not holy as he is holy. You're holy as it feels comfortable and beneficial for you. That's not true holiness. And James is attaching that and attacking that. So here's my question to you, church. 
When you walk, you've heard me say this here, when you walk into your room, when you walk into a room, when you walk in there, does your light overcome and overpower its darkness? Isn't that a hard question to ask? Or do you just mingle in with the darkness and does your light begin to turn a little dim? Does brightness begin to turn a little gray? Because, hey, I'm in the midst of darkness, so you know, and then we justify scripture. You know, Paul says to the Gentiles, I'm a Gentile. To, no, that's not what that means. It doesn't mean to a sinner be a sinner. <laughs> it's not what it means. Well, that's what I thought. Well, no, it does not mean that. It means I'm going to reach them and minister to them of where they're at. And I know I can minister to a Gentile in a way that I can never minister to a Jew. It does not mean that I'm going to turn into a lifestyle of a Gentile to win them over. You have to understand the concept and what's really being said in that scripture. All right, let's get back into it because I'll go on a tangent here. But, but it's ask a hard questions. When I walk into the room, do I light up the room? Not because you light it up. Oh, I do this. and I, No, no, no. It's because the one that lives inside of you. So here's the question. What's going on inside all of us? Has this, we, 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 I mean, often you hear this and we come up here and we speak about it. We've kind of drifted away from that because we're moving forward. And, but there's still things that, that dwindle. But, man, I mean, we, we went on and we spoke about the last year and then it became the last year and a half. But you think about everything that the church on this earth has gone through. People, humanity on this earth has gone through. But here's my question. With everything that you've gone through and are going through, here it is. I got some hard questions for you. Has it brought things to life? Has it brought things to light in your life? Have things been exposed? Are you growing? Are you moving forward? Scripture says from strength to strength, from glory to glory. So I thought about this and I thought about my own life and I'm only going to speak for myself. And I praise God that the Lord has allowed weakness to rise in my life. And I praise God that the weakness arises in my life. And maybe sometimes as this stuff arises, maybe it's ungodliness that arises. And I see all this filth and ungodliness begin to surface. Kind of like I start to think about like the ocean when it gets like oil spills or, and all those dead fish and all that nasty junk on top of the water. And I start to see all these things surface in my life. And I'm like, thank you, Lord, for allowing all that stuff to be exposed. And I believe that if that's happened to you, all of that is to do a great work in you. So that you can be better. So that you can display his image to the relationships around you. The world around you. He's doing a great work in you. You should write this down. So that he may do a great work through you. Come on, win within. He's doing a great work in you. So that he may do a great work through you. How many of you could say, yes he is, man. He's doing a work in this season. And I hope that in your life he's doing a work of holiness. And if God is ever doing a please, if God is ever doing a work of holiness in you, that means He's also doing a work of humility in you. Because holiness comes with humility. There's no way that you are holy and you're not humble. So to walk in His holiness, He's going to drive you to really focus on that humility or lack of. I'm going to keep reading because. I want the scripture to do what the scripture could do and does well. Verse 6 to 10. Let me just read it to you. Talking about humility. James says this. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. 
Verse 7, he says, so humble yourselves. He says, before God. Look what he says about the devil. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands. I'm telling you, James is, is cutting you. It's a surgical. It hurts. I mean, put me to sleep, James, as you're doing surgery on my heart. He's like, no, I want you to stay awake while I do this. And look what he tells you. Wash your hands, you sinners. I mean, you, you can say, James, you're leading the church. Like, to let the church grow, you got to let them, like, like don't, don't, don't call them sinners. The church is not going to grow that way. And he's like, no, the church is going to grow this way. If I could call them for what, they, for what it is. You know, and, he's, and he gets kind of hardcore. And look what he tells them. Wash your hands, you sinners. And then he doesn't stop there. He says, purify your heart. As you wash your hands, you bunch of sinners, you, you purify your hearts. <laughs> purify your hearts. And then he says this. Your loyalty is divided between God and this world. Do you see a struggle there internally and physically? You're living for the world, the external things, but you're also trying to live for God, these internal things. And, and you can't do both things is what he's saying. Verse 9, let there be tears of what you've done. Let there be tears of what you've done. Let there be sorrow. Let there be deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter. Gloom instead of joy. I love that. Like, well, how do you know that person's not repenting? Like, sometimes I talk to people. I'm like, I just want to see if they repent. Well, well what, how long is it going to take? I'll tell you how long it's going to take. It's going to take till we see tears for what they've done, sorrow and grief, that there will be sadness instead of laughter, gloom instead of joy, because they've recognized that they've sinned against God. Until we don't see that, we don't recognize whether there's true repentance there or not. And, 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 and James is really focusing on this. And he says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and then he'll lift you up in honor. I mean, many, many of us, we read this, and man, can, I hope you can say amen. But I'll be honest with you, that's a hard scripture to say amen to. I don't want to say amen. Like, you want to say yeah, amen, so be it. But verses 6 to 10, it's hard to swallow. I actually wrote this down in my notes, that if you're offended with this scripture, as I read it, and I could get offended with this scripture, then the reality is maybe I haven't allowed the Lord to work in me. But many of us, many of us, may, maybe, maybe most of you, maybe there's some of you, can you give a, an account to your tears? Is there sorrow, grief? Has there been sadness and gloom? But we let him do the work, the work in you, because then it's worth it. And why does God need to do this work? Because the product will be pleasing and you all know as gold is, as gold is refined through the fire, so are you. And the product, the sorrow, the grief, the sadness, the gloom, the tears, when, it, when you come out of it, you're like, my goodness, every tear, every sadness, every grief, all of this sorrow, all of it was worth it because the Lord brought out pure, genuine gold from that fire. He started to do a work within me. And what happened was he created this work all around come on let him do the work james is writing this to to tell us that the lord allows trials to test our faith He's, he says that even later on in this text trials are here to test your faith how many of you have been tried before you've walked in through a trial how many of you walked in through a trial in the last year and a half we all have how has it tested your faith how has it tested your heart? How many of you 
are married. All right. That person there sometimes is hard to live with, isn't it? I know, it's all their fault, right? It's all their fault. It's not your fault, it's their fault. How many of your marriages, you've gone through trials? There's been trials. I have, have, have some news to tell you. The trials are going to continue. So you have these trials. But here's the problem, or here's the question, or here's the point. If those trials are not testing your faith, if those trials are not testing your character, if those trials are not testing your heart, all of it to produce his righteousness in you, then you're losing the lesson within every trial. And you're not allowing him to do the work that he wants to do in you. So you're frustrated with your life because you're still praying for him to do the work through you. How many of you are frustrated with the lack of work going through you? All of that may be because of the frustration that he has that you're not allowing the work of God to begin to happen in you. And if you're married, you know that very well. And if you have a close friendship with someone, you know that very well. And if you've been walking with the Lord long enough, you know that very well that half the times that I'm frustrated is because of stuff that I'm frustrating him with within me. It's not his fault. It's not their fault. Maybe I'm not allowing my faith and my heart, I'm not allowing the righteousness of God to be produced in me. Do you want to know why all of that is a reality to us? Okay, here it is. You answer now. Why is that? Why do we struggle with that? Why do you feel like you always have to have the upper hand? You always have to be heard. You're always right. Why do you feel like the world around you, I just don't understand why it continues to be like this? What's the answer? Because the reality of what we can do? I hear someone whispering it too, like a, like, like a purr. Pride. Because every single person in this room, all of us struggle with pride. Right now, you just said, not me, I'm pretty humble. You're the most prideful person in here. <laughs> the one that just said, not me, I'm pretty humble. You could ask anyone around me. None of them love you that much to tell you that you are very prideful. <laughs> fear. Ego. Fear connects to our ego because of our ego. So what does James say in verse 10 as he breaks all this down? Very openly, James says this. Ready? Pop it on the screen. Verse 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord. Why? 
then he will lift you up in honor. I want to see honor. I want to be lifted up in honor. He says, not until I do a work in you first. You need to begin to win within before you begin to see victories without. Humble yourselves before the Lord. Though there was tears and though there was sorrow, I'm going to wrap this up, and though all those things, grief and sadness and gloom, rejoice in the work that he does because it humbles us. I was humbled yesterday. Nance, do you know what it is that I was praying for this morning about something that I did yesterday? Because you were there when I did it. Lou was there. Lou, do you know what I did yesterday that I needed to be humbled by God? You don't know? I said it in front of you. Rudy, I said it in front of you. Do you know what it is? None of the three. I was with every. I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> Ernie, you know? All right, let me know because maybe. You... It's not prideful. I don't want. I, I'm already dealing with God, so I don't want you guys now to like throw arrows at me too. You know, like. But watch how beautiful this is. I spoke something, and it impacted not one of you three. It impacted someone else we were around. And when it impacted that person. I walked away and I said, what I just did was wrong. So all last night, this morning I woke up with it in my head and I said, now what do I do with what I just did? All right, don't say it. We'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it in the car. No, because this stuff gets recorded and what I said, I don't want it to come out on the, on the thing. Because some of these people watch it, watch our, watch our services. And yes, for all of you that keep calling me prideful, I am. Thank you. I know. I'm prideful. I've heard like five of you already say pride, pride, pride. Yes, I am prideful. <laughs> all right. All of this stuff as we end. All of this stuff that we're saying here. As we come to this closure here. It's God has revealed it. God shows it. God shows you. How many of you know things deep within you, between you and God, that your greatest confidant, your very own spouse, does not know? It's just you and God. And the Holy Spirit ministers to you. That's what I'm talking about. So maybe he didn't catch it. Maybe he didn't catch it. Maybe she didn't catch it. But you know who woke me up in this morning and kept reminding me of it? Holy Spirit said, hey, are you going to grow from that? Because I get you're in a relationship with Lou. I get you're in a relationship with Rudy. I get you're in a relationship with your wife, but you're also in a relationship with me. And I need to remind you of what you did wrong. So what are you going to do with it? In my shower this morning, I was saying, Lord, I, mean, I need to grow from that. I got to keep my words and I got to guard them a little bit better. Forgive me. So now, next time I'm in that position, will I catch myself? Because wisdom grew through failure. But I needed the fire a failure to reveal that there was a product of righteousness that was going to come out of it. Come on. There's a world around you. Is it dying? Because the world within you is fighting to become alive. Win within. It's 
starts right there. As we close, he begins to talk about, I'm not going to get into this for the sake of time. And I don't feel like this is where the message is going to, but he starts to write and he begins to speak about judging each other wrongfully because, you know, we like to do that. We love to judge each other. I love to judge you guys. I do. And then I get home and I'm like, and who do I think I am? Do I, do I think I have it all together? Am I like God's gift on earth? Heck no, I'm not. So he goes on, he says, you judge each other wrongfully. There's good judgment between each other. There's good ironing, sharpening iron amongst each other. But there's also wrong judgment, wrongfully. What, what do I mean by that? You know, the one that is critical for every little thing. Breathe. Your mama's not perfect. You're not perfect. Your kids are not perfect. You married this person that you thought they were going to be perfect for you and then you recognize, oh snap, they're not perfect either. And you're not perfect. This church is definitely not perfect. I'm not perfect. Trust me, go around the corner. Maybe over there you'll find the perfect church. Maybe. But you walk in, immediately becomes imperfect. Imperfect. We're dealing with things. Every single one of you is dealing with something, no? Every single one of us is juggling stuff. Be careful that you're not critical for every little thing. If you're going to be iron that sharpens iron, doing it, do it with God's heart. But you're not critical for every little thing. All of that is because of what's really happening. I want to end with these words. And it's verse 13 and 14, and, and, and I'm, and I'm going to wrap this. It says, look here, you who say today and tomorrow we're going to go to a certain town and we'll stay there a year and we'll do business there and we'll make a profit. I love this person, right? Tomorrow I'm going to do this. It's going to be great. I'm going to make money. I'm going I'm to and we plan all our days tomorrow. And this is everything I'm going to do tomorrow. And then verse 14 says, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Plan, be organized, have a vision. But what do you really know how your life is going to be tomorrow? Tomorrow morning, you might get a phone call. You've heard us say that here. That might change your life forever. Tonight, something may happen that could change your life forever. For the good, for the bad. Who knows? How many of us here know what tomorrow will be like? Your life, James says, is like a morning fog, like a vapor, like a mist, depending on what translation you're reading from. It's here for a little while, but then it's gone. Proverbs 16 verse 9 tells us that we can make our plans. Yes, we can make our plans. But I'm telling you, it's the Lord. The Lord determines your step. And that's what Proverbs 69 tells us. Plan all you want. But the Lord determines the steps that you take. So all I could ask you is this. We're, we're in this moment. We're in this reality right now. Today, but tomorrow, that worries for itself. Scripture teaches us that tomorrow worries for itself. Tomorrow worries for itself. I, I think about a couple getting married. I, 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 they're, they're about to get married. Come up here, Ernie. Both of you, come up here. This couple's about to get married. In March. <laughs> They're about to get married in March. I, I want them to, may maybe one of these Sundays as we talk about Win Within, I want them to, I want, bro, I would love for you to share with them 
I know you're getting married to her because you love her. And I know he's getting married to her because that's his soulmate. Like, like be romantic. All those things. What, what else does she do? What else does she do? Just get some brownie points. She's my hero. Oh, she's his hero. But it had nothing to do with me. It had nothing to do with the church. There was just one moment that the word of God spoke into their hearts. And right then they said, we're going to get married. From an individual. And I can say that I've known for many years. And if, and if he gets offended with me, I don't care. I'll go to his house tomorrow. And I'll make up to him and I'll love him. From an individual that says, I'll probably never get married. Marriage, I don't believe in that. It's not going to happen. No. So now in a few months, we started doing marriage classes. And tomorrow night we have a date together. And they're going to get married. And, and what they're seeing is they're not perfect. They still got things to fix in their lives. Their external world hasn't been all figured out. But this one act of marriage that's happening in March, it's a, it's, it's a demonstration that they're going to get married. But all of that is occurring because of a penetration that happened internally, spiritually, within their heart that convicted them and that drew them to live in what is right and to make the right decisions. So what am I trying to say? That they are getting married publicly and legally all because the Lord spoke to them the importance of that spiritually. So, amen. So, so you start winning within. You start making decisions one after another, one after another that is right, that is correct. And they start here. They start from the beginning, from these inward, these inner decisions. I got to start making them right. I got to start figuring this stuff within me. And when you do that, then publicly, then you start to activate the world around you in a righteous manner. But it has to begin within you. Win within, church. Come on, in this moment, tomorrow's going to worry about itself. And they can plan their wedding and they're planning it and they're going to get married in March and we're going to have a blast and they're going to be great and God's going to use them. I believe it and I want to speak that into their life. But I will say that all of that is going to take its effect. All of that will show its fruit if they continue to, be, to win the battles within their lives. They will be a successful marriage if they continue to fight the battle within them and if they continue to humble themselves and draw to the Lord and to remove the desires of the flesh, they will see victory in their marriage and you'll see victory in your walk with God and in your marriage and in your career and with your friendships and in your family. The reason why things may be crumbling is because you're destroyed inside. So you can't build something outwardly where it hasn't been built inwardly first. You're trying to build a family, but you yourself are broken. You're going to build a broken family. When? We're going to have a great month together. Pack up this church next week. Say, hey, every single one of you needs to hear these messages. I need to invite someone. When within? Come on, what is the Lord doing right now? Not tomorrow, not in March. That's good. Hopefully it'll get there. But what if it doesn't? What if we're gone? What's happening now to see the blessings in March? To see the blessings for tomorrow. That stuff will come. But what am I doing 
what am I allowing the Lord to do now? What's the work that is being done now within me? So there's always a battle. And there's always a battle within us. And I know that every preacher says he's going to end three times before he ends. So this is my third time and my final end. I end with this. Galatians 5.17 The sinful nature wants to do evil. Yes? Which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. The Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. My God, what a scripture. Two forces constantly fighting each other inside of me to cause me to not carry out the good intentions that God wants me to carry out. So that I won't be free to carry out the will of God. So what is Galatians 5 saying? I'm dying, I'm humbling myself every day to the sinful nature, to the evil that could rise up to the flesh so that the spirit within me could win. I need to begin to win within and win the world within. So how do I end today? I guess I'll end it the same way I started. Draw in. Look within. Is your internal condition healthy? Or is it infected? Is it infected? Are you winning? Are you winning the world within? That's our series and that's what we're going to be doing in the weeks to come. I want you to think about this. When your skin, when there's an infection, I think it's, forgive me for not knowing the medical terms, I'm not a doctor, but your cells begin to fight that infection. Wow, I just got this as I was preaching, but and inside your body, there's an infection happen inside. So let's say you cut yourself or whatever it is. And inside your body, your body inside, within, within the world within, within, these cells begin, because God made our bodies in such a cool way, that the cells inside of you, which are the white blood cells, they begin to attack the, the infection. Something like that. And they begin to fight against it and fight and fight. And if you could see it, they have swords and shields and they're just fighting each other. That's how I see it because I just think like a battlefield, you know? And inside my body, there's these cells that God created that are, that are warriors, man, and they're just fighting this infection, infection inside, infection inside. And their whole design, the way God made me, it's preaching the gospel. It's preaching the word of God to me. These white cells, is, it's fighting the infection because what it wants to do, it wants to push the infection out bring it out to the surface do you know that so then what happens is you get like let's say a big thing of pus and you can say disgusting this pus but all the pus is it's a revealing of an internal fight that happened in your body so it exposed that infection and it brought the infection out and now you have the pus and the white blood cells inside it said we fought the good fight. We pushed the infection out. 
Now get rid of it and take care of it. And don't let it come in here again. Because us white blood cells, we want nothing to do with that infection. Isn't that God? God's created that. The spirit man says, no. Get that infection out. And then what does he do when he gets the infection out? He reveals it. He exposes it. He humbles you. And he says, you're humbled? Good. Get rid of it. And don't let it come back in here again. Because we're going to continue to humble you. If you continue to bring that in. We're going to fight. We're going to fight the battle. And we're going to fight the battles inside. Isn't that a beautiful analogy? Lord, I don't know the deepest stories and the deepest struggles in this room. Sometimes we're so shallow, and I get it, we want to guard ourselves. But some of us in this room have no one to speak to, and that's a shame. And I don't believe it's because there's no one there. I believe it's because of our pride and our ego that we don't decide to open up to the right person. So we hold it in, and all that does is we allow the infection to continue to destroy the stuff, all the good stuff inside. Sometimes it could be very shallow. And I could say things like, you know, I just had a bad attitude this morning. I need you guys to pray for my attitude. But what if I open up the curtains and I say my bad attitude comes because I'm struggling with this internal sin that none of you know about. And I carry this sin deep inside of me. And I, have, and I continue to fall into it and live in it. And I will not reveal this to any of you. But because of this is why I do have a bad attitude. Can you imagine revealing yourself in such a way? The freedom, the liberty that you might be able to walk in. So Lord, I get it. We all have these shallow battles that we fight. Our kids. Our boss. The traffic. But Lord, I'm not talking about the boss. And you're not talking about our boss. And you're not talking about Miami's dumb traffic. And you're not talking about all these shallow things. I believe that surgically you're cutting deep inside. And you're asking us, what's really going on in there? What's the stuff that needs to come out? Where's the stuff that you need to really begin to win in? Well, it's going to begin if you start to be honest with yourself. Honest with me. And honest with the people of God. Come on, you know where you're at. No one, what I love about this relationship with God is that no one can do that but the Spirit in you. Because, listen, your closest friend only knows the deepest secrets that you've told them. Your spouse only knows the deepest secret you've told her or him. But guess what? God knows the deepest areas that you don't speak to anyone. And those are the things that this series is based off. Those are the places he wants to touch. Where Rudy didn't catch it, where Lou didn't catch it, where Nancy didn't catch it, but the Spirit of the Lord wakes me up and says, I caught it. Now what you going to do with what I caught? Come on, church. 
what good was today? You wasted your time to wake up early. You wasted your time to get dressed. You wasted your time to come here. You wasted two hours of your mid-morning. If right now, when it all comes down to it, you don't answer to the word of God, and you don't begin and start to be on with yourself, I have to, I have to start dealing with this. And it starts now. I need to win now with it so that my life could start getting better externally around me as well. I'll give you a moment so you could stop hearing my voice and that you could just give that to God. If you want to come up to the altar and get on your knees, come. I'm not in a hurry today. If you are, we love you. I love you. Even if I don't know you, I haven't met you. Whether we talk a lot or don't, we love you. But if you need to leave, amen. We understand. You got things to do. But if, you, if, if you're willing to stay and just give this to God and allow the Holy Spirit to do just start to do a work right there, we invite you. Come up. Come up to the altar. As you come up to the altar, there's not a residue up here. There's no magic. There's nothing up here that could do anything to you. It's all about obedience. It's take, I'm exposing myself. And I'm exposing myself before the presence of God amongst brothers and sisters that, Lord, here I am. I need to start winning these deep areas within that only you and I speak of in secret and know about. So the altar's open if you just want to have that time with God and we're not going to rush you out of here because I think this is such a monumental moment in your life. So I'll stay silent and let the Holy Spirit minister you to you. Let him minister.
allow the Holy Spirit to move. In the early church, they would gather. But there wasn't a clock that would say, time's up. There wasn't a clock that says, you need to end. The clock was the Holy Spirit. And the Lord decided when their gathering would end. And we allow this moment, rather than just praying and asking you to to come back here next week, we allow this moment to be sensitive to what God wants to do. We allow this moment to give freedom to allow the Holy Spirit to really speak and move in your life and not hurry you from a moment but make you aware of your moment with God. Don't take moments where the Holy Spirit is just speaking to you. Don't take them lightly. Don't hurry them. Don't rush them. He wants to do a work in you so that what you're praying for could come out through you. Lord, I pray that as we are in your presence, that you would begin to bring the infection out. As we're in this series and we're ending this year soon, I pray that you would begin to bring that infection out. Reveal it, expose it. Many of us know what it is. We just don't want to reveal it. We just don't want to expose it. But cause the spiritual things to reveal that which tries which tries to hinder and expose and push up the infection and let us deal with the infection. And let every single one of us here begin to live in your righteousness. That as this message is titled, Win Within, that we would start to experience the victories within. That our lives would be transformed. Lord, I don't want this to ever just be a church. That people just come in and go out. But Lord, I want this to be a place where people can encounter your word, encounter your presence as we gather. Speak to us. Let the one that needs to open up, let them come up to us and say, hey, I need to speak to someone. Where can you, can you point me to someone? That there would be freedom just in that truth in being asked to be pointed to someone. God, only you can do what you can do. I can't do it for you. You're such a good God. You're so beautiful, Lord. We love you, Lord. We thank you. How many of you have heard from the Lord today?